about what God is going to do in this season. We're going to kick off Christmas right here with Christmas at the movies. Maybe you met a character of our movie today out in the lobby. Big green hairy guy, the Grinch out there. Has anybody watched the Grinch so far this year already? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I've already watched the Grinch. We watched it while we were decorating our tree a few days ago. I love the Grinch. I don't know what your favorite version of the Grinch is. There's three now. There's the animated version, there's the Jim Carrey version, and then there's another animated version out there. My um, four-year-old has the newest animated version. He has every word memorized. He can tell you what it says. We had to buy it on Amazon Prime just so he could watch it when he wanted. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I have almost the whole movie of Jim Carrey memorized. That's my favorite version. Um, but no matter what it is, and some of you may not even know this, the movie is actually based on a book, y'all. I know, I know, I know. It's not just a movie people thought of. It's based on a book by Dr. Seuss called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And here's what the premise of the book is about. As you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be today. Y'all are like, are we just talking about The Grinch all day? Maybe. We'll see. Um, here's the premise of the, the movie or the story. The Grinch is uh, born, and he looks different and acts different than everybody else. And because of that, he is treated different. He's bullied. He's made fun of. Um, he's, he's not loved. And all these things are going on in his life. And, and so he begins to hate exciting, joyful moments, especially Christmas. He can't stand Christmas. He hates Christmas. And so his whole goal from that point forward is to ruin Christmas for everybody. He wants to ruin the Christmas trees and the Christmas presents and the singing and all that stuff because of baggage that was put in his life. It sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Some of us carry so much baggage in our lives, we can't stand for other people to be happy. So let me ruin their head because here's the truth for you. Hurt people hurt people. It's a true. People that carry a lot of hurt in their lives end up hurting others because they can't stand for anybody else to be anything but hurt because they're nothing but hurt. And so this is where the Grinch comes in, and he starts these antics, and he's trying to, you know, take Christmas and gifts and destroy Santa Claus and do all this stuff and, and, and destroy Christmas. And throughout the movie, he runs into this little girl, and her name is? Cindy Lou Who. She is the savior of the story. Cindy Lou Who, little, little cute little thing, walks up, and she, she has a soft spot for some reason in her heart for the Grinch. And so she comes up and she starts to live her life and show the Grinch that yes, people are flawed and yes, people are mean and yes, people are rude and they treated you wrong and all this happened in your life, but that isn't how everybody is. And in fact, the, the kind of the story is as much bad as there is in the world, there's also that much good in the world. It sounds like a lesson that maybe we need to lean into a little bit today, right? We can get so enamored with the bad circumstances in our lives and in the world and the news and all this stuff. Maybe if we turned off the news a little bit and focused on the blessings we have, we'd be a little bit happier. And there'd be a little bit more joy in the world. And, and, and that's what I've done in my life over the past six months. I'm like, news? Nope, I'm good. I'll keep up with what I want, and then I'm going to be happy and enjoy my life. And, and that's what Cindy Lou Who's kind of like. She's like, yeah, they're mean and they're rude and they did all this stuff, but there's more joy in the world. And as they go through this experience, and he begins to experience somebody that actually loves people. Somebody that actually treats you with value and with respect. And it says in the book, it says, his heart grow, grew three times that day. And that's kind of how it ends. And I love that part of the story because all because somebody, Cindy Lou, who decided 
to treat him with value and respect, to show him what love could look like, his heart began to change. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. In every service today, there's going to be hundreds of people that walk into our campuses today. There's going to be a thousand plus people that join us online throughout the week this week because a lot of people are, 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 are traveling. There's people online watching right now. There's people in other states that call us their church because they, they tune in every week. Watch this. Here's what I know. There's spiritual Grinches in the room today. It doesn't mean it's your fault. It doesn't mean you're trying to be that way. It's just you've been hurt. Maybe somebody said something. Maybe somebody did something. Maybe you've encountered something. Maybe you've experienced something. And now you're living your life in such a jaded way that you can't be happy about these things. You can't enjoy life. You can't enjoy church. You can't enjoy worship. You can't enjoy prayer. You can't enjoy the Word of God. Why? Because I'm carrying all this baggage. And all you want, hear me, all you want, is somebody to live a transparent faith in front of you. All you want is somebody to just be legit around you. Now, here's the truth. Let me push back for a minute. If my faith in God is determined by the actions of people, maybe my faith isn't in God. Let that sink in. Maybe it's in others. Because my faith should be in God, and it should be so grounded. But let's be real. The way people treat us sometimes affects us. But we're all flawed. There's not a person in the room today. There's not a person online today. There's not a person in Florence today that isn't flawed. There's, all of you in this room have some kind of baggage in your life. You know, for instance, some of you are Clemson fans. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dude, I watch some people go, don't you do this. Don't you do this. <laughs> we got to have some fun, right? Got some baggage. Shoot, some of you are Carolina fans. We've been carrying a lot of baggage. <laughs> But you're jaded. And there's a lot of things maybe in your life going on. I just want you to know today that there's a God that loves you in the midst of all that. And I want to read a story where God shows up. And here's the thing about the Christmas season. Here's the thing about the Christmas story. The Christmas story isn't just about a miraculous birth of a baby. The Christmas story isn't just for us to put up trees and lights and gifts. And I think all that's great. And I think all that's fun. And I don't think there's a problem with any of that. In fact, I know there's not a problem with any of that. Like all that stuff's great. But here's what it is. The Christmas story is God getting a message to his children through his son. And his children are me and you. God's trying to speak to us through the story of Christmas. And what I want to talk about today is how our heart can grow, even if we've been jaded, even if it's been difficult, even if we've been through some things and we have some baggage. Our heart can grow to receive the message God has for us. We're going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 20 today. And, and I want to look at what God's teaching us in this. Now, let me back up for a second and, and give a little bit of context. The story that we're going to read is talking about a man named Zacharias. His wife's name is Elizabeth. Zacharias is a priest in the temple. We'll talk more about the details of that in a minute. Um, but he's talking about Zacharias. And so when it talks about he was performing or he was doing this, he's talking about Zacharias. Because it's a story of God speaking to his people in the Christmas season. Watch this. Let's start in verse 8. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division. We'll break all that down, all right? I know that's a little confusing. We'll break all that down in a minute. According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now watch this. Let's back up. 
Lot, in this story, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, there's a character named Lot. It's not that guy. It's, this is not a person. By Lot means that it just happened that they were kind of rolling dice or something, and the number fell on Zacharias to go into the temple and burn incense. It's the exact same thing as if I said, if you choose a number between 1 and 10 and you guess the number that I have picked, then I'll give you $10. It's the exact same thing. Now, I'm not going to do that because I don't have $10 in my wallet. But he was chosen kind of by chance, right? And it says, And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense burning. Incense offering, sorry. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Now, don't judge Zacharias. There's not a person in this room that if you're doing something for God and an angel just shows up, you wouldn't be like, holy cow, what's going on right now? You know you would. I would too. I'd be freaked out. And there's actually a deeper reason why he kind of got freaked out for a moment. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he was, he was gripped. He was like, oh, there's an angel. That's kind of weird. And I'm scared. Right? Verse 13. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid. If an angel said that to me, I think I'd be more afraid. He said, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine nor liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? Have you ever asked that of God? God told you something, you're kind of like, how am I supposed to know that that's real? Like, God, is that you or is that me? You ever done, am I making this up up here or God, is that really you? There's, there's a way you can challenge that. But he says, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That's sweet of him. He's old. She's advanced. Brownie points, right? The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Here's why. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. What a story that is taking place here. Now, let me give you, can I give you uh, uh, something real quick that you can go home and study this week? Like, I'm not going to dig into it, but I want you to dig into it. There's actually six promises from God in those verses. Six promises from God. And I'll put them out on social media and stuff like that this week too. But there's six promises from God. I'll give you the verses to go look at. The first one is your prayers will be answered. Verse 13. There's a promise from God that says, I'll answer your prayers. Verse 13. Then he talks about, that, that this is the second um, the second promise, that God has been gracious to you. That's in verse 13 as well because he says his name shall be what? John. The name John means grace of God. Go, go study the meaning of names and stuff. That's in verse 13. The third promise that he gives is in verse 14. He says you and your people will know joy and gladness. You and your people will know joy and gladness. Verse 14. Here's verse 16. The fourth promise is this, your child will be great. How many of you in the room that if God said, hey, your child's going to be great, make a difference in the world and change everybody's heart towards the heart of the father and towards eternity, how many of you go, no, nah, I'm good. 
Nobody. We'd all be like, yeah, give me that son. That's an amazing promise. Well, God literally makes that promise to Zacharias in verse 16. He makes another promise in verse 17. He says, Israel will see a national revival of people turning back to God. Israel is going to see a national revival, verse 17. And then in verse 17, the last promise he makes is your son will be the foreshadow of the coming Messiah. He says, your son is going to come and he's going to be the foreshadow of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, all these promises are made in there, and it's fun to go research them. I actually challenge you to dive into your word and take those verses and read them and study them and find out what they mean. But Zacharias, watch this, didn't think that having a son was possible because of his age. Remember, he said he was old and his wife was advanced. In other words, the angel shows up and he goes, hey, you're going to have a son. And Zacharias is like, ha! Man, I'm too old to have kids. In fact, I'm too old to do having kids things. Let's be real. He's like, whatever, Zacharias, you've lost, I mean, uh, Gabriel, you've lost your mind. Give me more proof. Actually, this story mirror, mirrors a story in Genesis chapter 17 of Abram, right? Abram and Sarah. Genesis 17, go look at it. They mirror each other identically. It's crazy. Now, let me stop for a second. If you want to understand a lot about the New Testament, you need to go understand the Old Testament as well. They tie in together. In fact, a large part of the New Testament ties into the Old Testament is repeating it. And so he goes, no, nah, I'm not old enough. And he says these words. He says a words. He says a phrase that you and I say a lot too, right? Hey, God, give me more proof. Hey, God, give me more evidence. Hey, God, you want me to do that? You want me to tithe? Give me more money. Oh, yeah, I knew that was going to get quiet real quick. Hey, God, you want me to love my wife better? You tell her to give me more love. Hey, God, you want me to be a better employee at work? Tell them to give me a raise. You see what I'm saying? You see how easy it is to go, hey, God, give me more evidence. Yeah. God, you want me to join a life group? Then you better, you better lengthen my 24 hours in a day. Come on. Hey, God, if you want, then I will. See, here's the thing about God. God is not in the business of business transactions. A business transaction is if you, then I. That's not a business, that's a business transaction, that's not faith. God's not in the business of business transactions. God's in the business of faith. God's in the business of, are you going to submit to me or not? Are you going to listen to me or not? Are you going to, are you going to allow me to direct your life? So Zacharias is like, give me more evidence and I'll believe. In fact, it reminds me of a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 7. You've probably heard it a lot. It says this, for we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in 2023 in January. But the truth is, is faith, the opposite of faith is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is sight. Because a lot of times whenever you begin to trust what you see more than what you know, then your faith is what's around you, not what's within you. Not who's within you. And he says we walk by faith and not by sight because when we walk by sight, then we walk by the circumstances around us. When we walk by sight, it depends on who's in the White House. When we walk by sight, it depends on how much is in my bank account. When I walk by sight, it depends on how other people treat me. But when I walk by faith, none of that other stuff matters because there's a grounding on the inside of me that is dependent on the God of the universe, the kingdom of God, not on the kingdom of the earth. And so we walk by faith, not by sight. And I can't blame Zacharias for this because it, it, we're going to talk about this in a minute. But it, it, there was 400 years of silence from God before this. God hadn't spoken, sent an angel or a prophet to speak to anybody in 400 years. 
And now an angel shows up to talk to Zacharias. I'd be a little skeptical too, wouldn't you? I'd be real skeptical about this. But here's what the story is teaching us about preparing our hearts, growing our hearts to receive the message of God through the birth of Jesus. Number one, here, here's how we can do this. Number one is found in Luke chapter one and verse six. We're backing up. It says this, they both were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of God. Number one, to grow our heart and receive the message of God this Christmas, we have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. It says that they were both right. Zacharias and Elizabeth both were faith, or righteous in the sight of God and blameless in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. Now watch this. How difficult is that for us today? It says that they were both, they walked by the, the conversations of God. They walked by the commands of God. They knew what they needed to do, and they walked righteously in that. Now watch this. It's difficult for us today, and we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just mentioned they came out of 400 years of silence. It's called the intertestamental period, if you want to go and study that. The intertestamental period was 400 years where God said, fine, that's fine. You want to do things your own way? You don't want to listen to me. You don't want to submit to me. You don't want to worship me. Fine. You go and you do your own thing, world. You go, Israelites. You go, all you people. You go do your own thing. That's fine. I'm not going to say a word for 400 years. And he hasn't said a thing. How hard is it to be faithful whenever you don't even hear an answer from the God that you serve? You haven't heard an answer to a prayer. You haven't felt his presence during worship. You haven't done any of that stuff. You're just doing it because you know. Watch this. Faithfulness matters, guys. See, here's what, why we have to be strong in what we believe. Because what we believe determines what we do. See, whenever I believe in God, the way I live my life from that point forward has changed. It doesn't matter what I feel. It matters what I believe. Are you with me? Because when it matters what I feel instead of what I believe, the moment that somebody comes along and makes me feel different, I no longer believe what I thought I did. And so now, whenever last week I was singing, my God, my God, I need you. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages. Whenever I was singing that last week, whenever somebody bumps me and I feel something different on Tuesday, I no longer believe that. Yeah, we got quiet, didn't we? Zacharias said, I know it's been 400 years, God. I hadn't seen you. I hadn't heard from you. I hadn't felt you in my entire life, God. And for that reason, I should probably walk away, but I'm not because I know you're God, because I know you're faithful, because though you have shut your mouth, you haven't turned your back. Though you have, have stopped speaking, you haven't stopped working. They were still faithful whenever they didn't hear anything, because faithfulness is driven by what we believe, not by what we see. We walk by faith and not by what? Sight. sight. See, if they walked by sight, then they would have walked away from that. Here's a question for you. It's a challenging question. What does our life look like when there's no spotlight and there's no applause? Let me, let me put it in another way. What does our life look like when there's nobody per, to perform for? When there's nobody around, it's just you and God. What's your life look like? What's your study time look like? What's your prayer time? What's your faith look like? It's a challenging statement, isn't it? 
Because watch this, who I am in darkness, who I am when nobody's around is who I am. Who I am when everybody's around is who I want you to think that I am. And it turns into a performance rather than a lifestyle of faithfulness. If we want to receive the message of God through the, the Son, through the birth of Jesus this Christmas, we have to stay faithful. Number two is found in Luke chapter 1 and verses 8 through 9. It says this, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly duty, our priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Number one, we have to stay faithful. Number two, we have to look for miracles. Can I tell you, there's a lot of miracles we miss because our eyes are closed to them. There's miracles in our life. Watch this. If you got up and got in a vehicle, I don't care if you drove it or rode in it, and you rode in a vehicle to get to church today, can I tell you, you're blessed. What most of us are going to do when we walk out of here today is we're either going to go home and eat something or we're going by a restaurant to eat something with some friends and family. Watch this. Here's what we're going to do. You're blessed. At some point this week, you're going to buy groceries. And guess what? You're blessed. You're going to go home to a house with running water that has hot and cold water. You're blessed. You're going home to a place of safety. You're blessed. I know the paycheck that gets deposited into your account isn't what you think it needs to be every month, and it's difficult to make ends meet, but you're still blessed because you have a paycheck. Come on. When we miss the blessings because of what's going on around us, we will miss miraculous things. And it's in the midst whenever we pay attention to our lives and our circumstances and what's happening in our lives, when we pay more attention to the mundane than the miraculous, we will miss how God works. In fact, Psalms tells me that just the nature of the planet, the trees, the birds, the grass, the air, all those, the rain outside, all those things, watch this, they speak of God's goodness in our lives, but we can drive right by them and never say that God's blessed us with anything. If you got breath in your lungs, and I'm assuming you do because you're in here today, you're blessed. See, when we close our eyes to the blessings of God, we're no longer looking for miracles. We're looking for other things. Watch this. Zacharias was just doing what he was supposed to do. He was a priest. He was supposed to do all these things. Now, here's the things. It talks about the, the, the groups and the well, service and the division and all that stuff. Here's some things you need to know. Burning the incense, somebody burning the incense in the temple wasn't normal. It says he was chosen by lot. In other words, the dice were rolled. He the number fell on him, and he was the one. Here's what happened. There was about, in that time, there was about 20,000 priests. And they were all divided into 24 different groups or courses of ministry. And in those 24 groups or courses of ministry, each group served two eight-day periods of ministry per year. So per year, every group had 16 days of ministry that they would perform. What that looked like, it just depended on what, where the lot was, what their assignment was, what they were supposed to do. But each group consisted of around 830 priests per group. So the idea that the lot would fall on Zacharias was actually pretty slim. It's like we have 750 to 800 people depending on the week, 650, 800, just depends. And it's like me picking one of you out of that entire group to do something in this church. It's a slim chance, but it could happen. Watch this. What he thought was mundane, God turned into miraculous. 
What he thought he was just doing, because when the light fell, he was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to get my lighter, and I'm going to walk over here, my little grill lighter with the long neck, and I'm going to go over here. I'm going to light the incense. It's going to smell good. It's going to be good. I'm going to do my prayers. I'm going you know, to do what I need to do. Watch this. And then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to do more priestly duties. But God said, no, you're not. I'm going to end, watch this, 400 years of silence at the altar that day. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to talk to you in the most mundane thing that you've done your entire life. You've done it all. You've been faithful. You've been righteous in the midst of darkness, in the midst of silence, in the midst of not hearing God. Zacharias, you have been so faithful. And now I'm going to show up and end the intertestamental period with you today, with you and your wife. And it's amazing that when we begin to look, watch this, when we begin to look for miracles, we can see all kinds. Can I tell you, many of you don't know that I'm a miracle. The fact that I'm here today medically, I'm a miracle. I shouldn't be here. And sometimes in my life, I lose sight of that. I lose sight of the fact that I shouldn't be alive. I lose sight of the fact that I'm a miracle. And we can all lose sight if we're not looking for miracles. So if we want our heart to grow, to receive the message God has for us, we have to stay faithful. We have to look for miracles. The third one is found in verse 13. It says this. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. We stay faithful. We look for miracles. Number three, we have to be consistent. I, I, I wanna, I'm going to sit down again, camera. They, I have to give them a warning. They yell at me afterwards if I don't. Not really. They're great. Here's what happens. Let me, let me break this down. 400 years of silence. Are you grasping that today? They were faithful when God didn't speak for 400 years. And we have the Holy Spirit speaking to us all day, and we can't be faithful for a day. We'll find a reason to just go, God, I'm the exception to the rule. I don't need church. I don't need people. I don't need your blessing. I'll do it my way, God, but I love you. That's like me going home today and looking at my wife and going... I don't need this, and I don't need that. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I love you. See you tonight. Wink, wink. It's not how marriage works. Why do we think that's how God works? 400 years of faithfulness. And in the midst of Zacharias being a faithful priest, in the midst of Elizabeth being a faithful wife, in the midst of all that, watch this. Imagine sitting down every night. You're talking, spending time with one another. You know what I'm saying? You got a Christmas tree on the background. You got a replay of South Carolina beating Clemson. You got 31 reasons to shout. You know what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all know I have to throw that in when I can. Seven years of pent-up frustration. It's going to come out in 365. Anyway, you're sitting there talking, and you know, Elizabeth, this would be great if this took place. And yeah, Zacharias, this would be amazing if this took place. And our life, and if God blessed us with this, man, let's pray. Let's just, let's just ask God. Let's just see what happens. Night after night, hey, God, I sure would love to have a son. I don't have a son, God. And you know that the son is the one that inherits everything. And God, I sure would love to leave everything that I've inherited over my life to a son that can make an impact and a legacy. I sure would love to leave my inheritance to a son that's going to impact the world for you, God. Sure would be nice. But lest not my will, yours be done. God, it's all about you. 
Imagine praying that night after night after night after night for decade after decade after decade. And you never hear an answer. Truth is, some of you don't have to imagine that because you do it now. You've been praying for that family member to come back to Jesus. You've been praying for that child that you've been told you can't have. You've been praying for a sickness to go away. You've been praying for all those things. And I just imagine Zacharias and Elizabeth sitting there. And they're praying. And they're asking God for all this stuff. And they never hear a word. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. And says, hey, you know how you never gave up on your prayers? I just need you to know God heard you. I know you didn't hear anything, but he heard everything. I know you don't have an answer. He sure does. Hey, Zacharias, I know you've been faithful whenever you haven't even felt his presence in 400 years or however long it was. Hey, Zacharias, I know what's going on. I just need you to know I'm sent by God to tell you that everything that you've prayed for is about to take place. Now, here's the beauty. It always works out good whenever we get the answer we want, but we don't pray for God's answer. I mean, we don't pray for our answer. We pray for God's. It's not about our will. It's not about our answer. It's about, hey, God, what do you want from me? And it just so happened that God was going to end the 400 years of silence with Zacharias in that moment. I just need you to hear me when I say this today. you got to be consistent. Don't you stop praying. Don't you stop believing. If God gave you a promise, you stand on that promise. And, 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 and I'm telling you, you keep asking for it. In fact, Luke chapter 11 and verse 10 makes this statement. It's a, it's a phrase that we all know. It's a phrase or, or, or a verse that we all understand. And, and Luke chapter 11 verse 10 says it like this. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who, um, and he who seeks, what? Finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. We love going, hey, ask, seek, knock, and it'll, you'll get the answer. But that verse is actually written in what's called continuous sense or tense, a continuous tense. Here's what it means if you read it correctly. It says, for everyone who continues asking will receive. For everyone who continues seeking will find. And to everyone who continues knocking, there will the door will be open. It doesn't mean I pray once. It doesn't mean I ask once. It doesn't mean God has to give me what I want. It means I go to God over and over and over and over. Hey, God, it's me again. Hey, God, it's me again. Hey, God, I'm believing you again. Hey, God, I'm asking you again. Hey, God, I'm not giving up again. Because when we give up on the promise of God, we may give up on the rewards of God. We may give up on what he's got. And it doesn't matter. Hear me. It doesn't matter in our prayers if he answers like we want or not. What matters is his will be done. Zacharias and Elizabeth never stopped asking. Number four. It's found in verses 18 through 20. It says, Zechariah said to the angel, how, how am I going to know this for certain? For I'm old. My wife is advanced. The angel answered. I'm going to stop in verse 19. The angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. The fourth part is this. I have to learn to trust. I have to be faithful. I have to look for miracles. I have to be consistent. I have to trust. Can I ask you a question that's probably going to make you a little uncomfortable? Just a rhetorical question. Is God's word enough? Yeah, if somebody 
tells me it's God's word. No, 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 that's not what I said. Is God's word enough? Essentially, that's what Gabriel's asking Zacharias here. Hey, Zacharias, is God's word not enough for you? Now, I can understand the questioning from Zacharias. Nobody's heard from God in 400 years. And now all of a sudden, Zacharias is? So I get it. We don't have that excuse. We had the word of God written in a way that they didn't back then. Is God's word enough? For most of us, we want to answer yes. But we can't because we don't know the word of God. And hear me. God's plan will never go outside of the word of God. If God's word is only enough whenever certain things happen, then we're not serving the God we think we are. Because what happens is, is now my faith is built on someone else's performance. It's not God's word anymore that I trust. It's, yeah, I'll worship when I like the song. I don't worship when I like the song because I don't worship the song. I worship the God. Are you with me? Yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll learn more and I'll dive deeper whenever the pastor preaches a message that speaks to me. And now, watch this, what has happened is now your faith is dependent on my performance. Because I'm not standing on God's word. It's all dependent on how somebody else treats me. It's all dependent on somebody else's performance. So when Radiate Worship does their part that I like, then I'll engage. Now, we have to become performers in order for your salvation to take place. Well, well, you know, Pastor Brandon offended me in a message, or he, you know, he preaches a series right now that, that isn't really for me, so I'm just not going to go to church. Now I have to become a performer in order for your salvation to take place. Are you seeing what I'm talking about here? Well, well, I'll go to a life group whenever. Now your life group leader has to become a performer in order for your faith to take place. But when, my, when God's word is enough, then I can understand that maybe every series isn't for me, but I can learn something from it and I can bring people that it will be for. Okay, that, that spoke to this side way more than that side. Maybe every worship song ain't my favorite, but I'm not dependent on how they perform in order for me to worship. It's dependent on my God and my faith. Is God's word enough? I've got to learn to trust or else my heart never grows. And I'll be a person that gave my life to Christ 50 years ago and still in the same spiritual place I've always been. See, here's the truth, guys. This Christmas, I want it to be the best Christmas you've ever had. I want every child at Radiate Church to get everything from Santa that they've asked for. I want every adult to get everything they want. I want every adult to enjoy everything that they can. I want it all, man. I want you to love the Christmas music and all the lights. I want you to love every bit of it. But can I tell you something? Until our hearts grow to receive the message of God, Christmas never really means what it could. It's receiving the message of God through the birth of Jesus in our lives that makes the difference. And so my prayer today 
is that somewhere, somehow in these four points today, in these four things that we can do to prepare our hearts for the message of God, that we go home and we begin to live that out. But I can tell you that there's some people in the room, you just got to give your life to Jesus. That's where it starts. And that's where a vibrant relationship with God starts. I just want to pray with you. If you would, just bow your heads with me today. and I just want to ask you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I want to invite you to pray that prayer with me in your seat, right where you are. Just pray it with me. And then I'm going to pray over everybody. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask for forgiveness today. I ask for forgiveness of who I was, who I am, and redeem who I'm going to be. It is only by the cross of Jesus and the sacrifice of his life that I can have eternity with God. Today, I want to give my life to you, Jesus. I won't be perfect, but I can be faithful. Walk with me. Teach me and grow me. Thank you for sacrificing your life on that cross so that I could have life. I love you, Jesus. With every head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, if you would just raise your hand in your seat, and here's why, because I want to walk this out with you. At Radiate Church, we have a value that says we don't do life alone. We do life together. I want to walk it out with you. I want to give you some resources. I want to give you a Bible. I want to give you a devotion. I want to teach. I want to meet with you, talk with you, all those things. If you raise that, if you prayed that prayer today, would you just raise your hand so that we can get you some resources and walk it out with you? Father, I love you. Thank you for life change. And God, thank you for the message of Christmas, the message of God through Christmas season. Help us receive that as the message is redemption and grace and hope. And help us grow to a place where we can receive that the right way. God, we love you. Help us live this stuff out. And God, I pray that you would just continue trusting us with more people and more, more opportunities to spread the kingdom of God as individuals. We love you so much. In your name we pray.